Hey, how you doing? This is Edgar otra vez, bringing you another episode of the Flow Roll Podcast. Now, today on the show, my co-hosts are Cousin Primo and not my cousin Dan. And I got a good one for you today. We're going to be doing a retrospective of the movie Akira, which was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. He also did the manga, but we won't dive into that too much. Now, if you like this and you want to hear more or you're new to the show, why don't you head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can buy some merchandise and support the podcast. Now, Akira, for me, holds a special place in my heart. It's one of the first animes I've ever seen, and it blew me away. As you'll hear in the podcast, I saw this and a couple other things when I when I first started diving into anime, but this movie blew me away. And as you'll hear, we all have fond memories of this movie. I hope you like this episode. Now on with the show. Okay, so uh, you want you want to get this party started? Let's get this party started, pendejos. All right. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. I am Edgar Otra Vez. Otra Vez. And today on the show, I have Cousin Primo. What's up, Cousin? What's up, guys? Primo. And not my Cousin Dan. What's up, Dan? Dobranos, cabrones. What's up, man? Oh, it's been a long time, bro. You've been so busy. Yes. Yeah. You've we, been, we've all been busy, man. Yeah. Well, we've all been doing the grown-up stuff, right? Like um, work. selling work, selling houses, babies, yeah. all that stuff. Not me. Not me. No. You got to buy your house, man. You got to hurry up and buy a house, butter. Well, no, don't buy a house right now. Dude, oh, yeah. don't don't yeah. do it right now. Yeah, no, it's no, a seller's right market. It's a seller's market. He's right. Don't do it no, now. <laughs> what, what it was, maybe by the end of the summer, they probably have get a house or not. It all depends. Yeah. You know, get a, little, a nice little thing, you know. It's just you, right? So you, you know when you should get a house boat. A house boat? Not in Chicago. <laughs> no you don't want to live on the ice, bro? What's up? No, no, it's not that, man. I've heard the horror stories of the lake. No. no what's no, what's no. the horror stories of the lake? Like, oh, we did that horror story one, remember? Yeah. The the, well, you're talking ghosts. about actual ghosts. All the <laughs> yeah, ghosts. No, no. I thought you were going to tell me all, like, all the neighbors and the kids and all this, the ruckus. I and I don't, I don't like people as it is. And you want me to go live by the lake? Oh. <laughs> people, people are the worst, you know? Mm-hmm. Damn humans. <laughs> Damn people. Yeah, so um, today on the show, we're going to be talking about Akira. We're going to be doing a little retrospective on mm-hmm. the animated anime movie Akira, which I believe is like accredited for bringing anime to the United States. Uh, In a mainstream sort of way, yeah. It was... It was- probably the first not probably it was the first anime that that was like taken seriously in this country it was actually one of the first animes to go to the theater yeah exactly it was it was the first anime that had like a mainstream theater release in Mm -hmm. akira has a lot of firsts under its belt yes and uh you know it Obviously, anime was already established and and already an art form in Japan when Akira came out. But Akira, there was a lot in Akira 
that redefined the the genre and, and and made it a more serious thing than it even was in Japan at the time. True, it it's, was this, this is a pivotal um, movie, you know. It it's, it is because uh, at least for mainstream American audiences, I'm sorry, Primo. Um, uh, no, go ahead. But like at least for uh, American mainstream audiences, we didn't see such a serious subject matter take place in an animated feature. Right. It took animation from being just for kids yeah. to an adult form of entertainment. And there, and there had been like adult-oriented animation in the U.S. before this, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about porn, you know. Um, but like there, there had been adult oriented animation and it just never took off. It never coalesced. It, it was something that culturally we just couldn't appreciate that, you know, cartoons are for kids. That's just how it is. But then, you know, around the same time, actually, if you, if you look at the time frame that this came out, there was, there was like an animation awakening going on, just exactly. kind of nascent and starting. And right. So this this came out in 1988, you know, right, right around the same time the Simpsons came oh, around. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. Know, we started seeing anim- animated TV shows that weren't just for kids anymore. Uh, there then, you know, you you had movies coming out like heavy metal. I, I'm not praising heavy metal i think heavy metal is is a hot stinking cesspool of garbage but yeah uh the point being is that this this movie akira heralded for american audiences the acceptance of animation as as a legitimate art form in its own right that can be used for more than just making children laugh Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Like uh, The Simpsons came out in 1989. Akira came out in 1988. Well, and The Simpsons, you know, the TV show came out, started in 1989. Yeah. But they were on the Tracy Ullman show. They yeah. would be, oh, they that would is be, correct. have the, the right. bits in between sketches on the Tracy Ullman show. <laughs> so they existed before the show. But anyway, yeah. getting, I'm going down the nerdy rabbit hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, <laughs> Uh, so Primo, you wanted to say something. Uh, I'm sorry, we keep well, going, cutting you off. No, what it was is that Akira actually made it so that it was a, a it was like you said, it's an awakening around that era for to look at anime as just more than just for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some other great ones that were out there. You're looking at Crying Freeman. You're looking at Eight Men After Wicked mm-hmm. City. You know, all those came out around the same time, which right. actually showed that it's anime is not just for kids yeah funny thing but, and, you know, and, wicked city and anime like even even and I'm, I'm speaking a little bit out of school here maybe getting a little bit far outside of my actual knowledge base but mm-hmm. before akira came out anime itself was a little bit more limited there weren't that many anime features uh, up up to that point anime was kind of pigeonholed into you know serialized television uh and and in the mid 80s is when anime started to break into that feature length movie kind of realm and then akira came along and it was like 
this is like complete and has depth and uh yeah yeah the one of the movies that you mentioned primo wicked city came out in 1987 so before akira but i'll tell you right now my first exposure to anime in general was akira akira and the giver those were the two movies i could find at the blockbuster when i was a kid and for those who yeah. don't know what Blockbuster is, that's a video. <laughs> we did a store. whole episode on we Blockbuster. Did a whole episode <laughs> of Blockbuster. You can go find it in the in the archive. But um, it, it, it's an old video rental store that was a chain, and it was all over the United States. You couldn't you couldn't throw a stone without hitting a Blockbuster. And at yeah, that, right. And at your local Blockbuster, they had quite a wide variety of movies, and and just an interesting selection and depending on where you went and uh at every blockbuster you would find at least some anime and <laughs> the anime that i would find at the blockbusters that i was able to go to always had in the beginning had a copy of akira and a few copies of the guyver right at, and movies and the guyver the guyver was what like early 90s right uh, the Giver again came out around the same time, but the original Giver animated series came out in 1989. So actually, yes, okay, around yeah. the same the, time. And so the the feature length Giver. Oh no! Wait, this is something completely different. They're, they made well. They made live a live action version in 1991. Yeah, that has to be horrible. It was. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, it, it has I, JJ and Mark Hamlin. It has Mark Hamill in it, yeah. Mark Hamill, huh? He, yeah. he makes an appearance in that movie. I'm like, why? Why did you do that? But yeah, that movie, as much I went and saw it because it's got it's, it's about the character. It's a live action yeah. version. Not the greatest. Um, it's got to be awful. <laughs> it's pretty. No, bad. I I don't know if there have been any. Uh, maybe you know, point it out to me. I don't know if there have been any really honestly good live action adaptations of anime. I don't think there have so. been several and almost all of them that I've seen have been so stunningly bad that, that it, it actually hurts a little bit. Like how can you get it so wrong? Literally all you have to do is lift it scene for scene and just film it. And, and no, they can't like yeah. uh, Netflix even. And, and I couldn't believe it when this happened. So Netflix was responsible for bringing death note to American audiences, right? Yeah. The the actual anime, the series Death Note, Netflix brought yeah. it to America. And the series is pretty damn good. It gets weak in like the the final season, but it's it's a pretty damned good series. Mm -hmm. And then Netflix decided, wow, a lot of people are watching this Death Note show. We should make a live action version of it. And I mean, it, it's it's seriously unwatchable. It doesn't make any sense. It barely, barely adheres to the story. That's that's one of the things with like American adaptations of anime. Mm. They always get it wrong in exactly the same ways. And they always make these changes that they're like, oh, I think American audiences are going to like this better. And what you end up getting is like a trauma movie. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why people want to put their stink on it and make it so that they did something creative on it. Yeah. It's just like, it's fine the way it is. Just give us the fucking thing as it is. But no, everybody wants to, you know, be a creative, and, right? And it's just. 
And so I guess I'm very glad that I have not yet seen a live action adaptation of Akira. Actually, let's, it, it, I guess we should be saying Akira. 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 Yeah. So let's, let's, let's get on with uh, Akira because I think we did quite a bit of history there and mm-hmm. all good points. But uh, Dan, do you mind giving us a synopsis of Akira? Yeah, here. I will, I will give you a synopsis and I will give you, I will give a synopsis that I think fits. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be 100% accurate. But I think it it's the kind of synopsis that fits an anime. Like when I read the box of an anime, this is the kind of thing I want to read. So it's 2019 in Neo Tokyo, the future, the future, the future, <laughs> but the future from 1988, 30 years after World War Three. Original Tokyo was swallowed up in a mystery singularity black hole, and now they've rebuilt Neo Tokyo on an island, and it's a super futuristic horror show of technology run amok. Street gangs blast around the city on fancy scooters and dress like Michael Jackson from Thriller, (laughs) except for Tetsuo, who dresses like one of the orphans from The Warriors. Yeah. And they're also (laughs) not really street gangs per se, because they don't so much do crimes or traffic drugs or anything like that. I'm not really sure what they do or if they have like a business model. Frankly, (laughs) I I don't think Japan in 1988 really acknowledged that street crime existed. So uh, the version of street crime in the movie really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, anyway, Tetsuo has an accident chasing another rival biker, and they kind of stumble upon this mystery kid who's an ESPer, and they both, both him, Tetsuo, and the ESPer kid get captured by the military and taken to a secret military base, and suddenly, somehow, some way. They discover that Tetsuo has mystical ESP powers, but he escapes and breaks loose and he starts terrorizing Neo Tokyo. And uh, this one kid that they found with him is part of three, a group of three other creepy ESP kids. Uh, (laughs) They're all like gray and weathered and old looking. And one of them sort of looks like a little child version of Kingpin. And he even wears a fancy suit and floats (laughs) around in a chair. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other one's a little girl who has a bubble that she can't get out of. And uh, so the government uses these three kids to try to to chase down Tetsuo because they're the only ones who might have the power that they need to to capture him. And there's a big fight and most of Neo Tokyo gets blown away and they start shooting him with satellites and and uh, Kaneda, his his childhood friend and the leader of the gang, tries to save him and then tries to kill him and then tries to save him again. Anyway, the Tetsuo finally turns into like a giant blob monster and disintegrates most of Neo Tokyo in another singularity. And the movie is named Akira because old Tokyo was destroyed by another ESP kid 
who had uncontrollable powers like Tetsuo, and his name was Akira. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Thing and there's about- really, really cool music. The music is awesome in this movie. Oh, every, there's a lot of awesome things about this movie. The the animation, first off, is a, a, a in most places is on ones. Traditionally, Japanese anime is done on twos, which means the animation is a little choppier. In traditional film animation, when film was shot on film for that ran on 24 frames a second, that means 24 frames a second means there's 24 pictures per second. Yeah, and so when you animate. At least with Disney movies, especially in the, at, at that time, they would animate 24 images. You would have mm-hmm. images or unique there would images. Be 24 steps of motion. Yes. In every second. In every second. But yep. anime does what they call limited animation, which means they shoot on twos. So when you shoot on twos, that means you put one image and you take two pictures. So you cheat it. It makes it easier so you don't have to draw as much. So you end up drawing 12 pictures. Right. There are 24 frames per second, but realistically, it's 12. It's 12 pictures. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's how they cheat it. They they, they still get a a desirable effect. It still looks good, but not as good as you could could probably tell in a Disney movie where they shot on ones. So, um, but this movie is not like that. That move, this movie. I think for a lot of frames or a lot of scenes, they shot their images on ones. They so. for all of the action sequences, and actually, you can even see it. I I think the whole movie is done in in ones. I'm not sure, there but were, the motion, like even even minor motion, like uh, there's a scene where somebody's in bed and they roll over to answer the phone, and just the rolling over is is perfectly smooth yeah it's very smooth yeah and so like the attention to detail is amazing i think i i read that this one movie had a hundred sixty eight thousand individual cells that's beautiful wow that's a lot of fucking work man yeah. and i'm talking about at a time because i mean not only do you have to draw those things but we're talking at a time where you weren't where you didn't use computers you had a right. giant rig with a with a analog camera yeah. With film in it, mm-hmm. they, they would have a setup where you would, you know, you would have the camera above the, the image. Mm-hmm. You take a plate. There's a glass plate. You slide your image underneath. You put the plate down. You take a shot. Then you take that plate up, remove that image, put the next image, take another shot. And yeah. if you have cells, which is um, clear cellulose, it's just a plastic frame that you draw on so you you would paint on one side and draw the outline on the other so if you have like hands and feet and all that stuff on separate cells you draw those images on separate cells you could have a stack of like 12 cells sitting on top of a background so you got like essentially you got a stack of like 12 13 images on top of each other and then you're taking a picture and then if you got to move an arm or something, you might have to unstack a bunch of stuff, pull yeah. those others, restack in, put it yeah. down. And it, it's a pain in the fucking ass. And yeah, you animation, animation used to be. And I mean, still is, I guess. It's but it done. used to be like uh, super old school tech, like like pre motion picture technology. You're basically mm-hmm. taking your drawings 
and you're taking still still frame shots. You're taking photographs of the drawings, and then you're arranging all of those photographs in sequence and running them through like film. Yeah, it's like pre motion picture. It's crazy. And just that part of it took hours, hours, uh, hours. I would, I would think 168,000 cells. That had to take months. It, it probably they probably had a separate team that handled all that. Yeah. That managed the because the, they give you a, I forgot what it's called now. There was like a shot list. And in the shot list, you gave all the kinds of directions that you need. Frame 131. Yeah. Use this, this, I, this, and this picture in this stack order. I had also read like in pre-production. So the, the movie took more than a year right. to, to make. Mm-hmm. Th- that's kind of fast yeah. to tell you honestly. And that that's when, when you think about what had to have gone into this, it's like, how did they do it in a year? You know, but uh, Otomo, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo, mm-hmm. who, who wrote the manga that this was based mm-hmm. on and then wrote and directed the movie and is a legend in anime. And he, he went on and did some, some other legendary films like Metropolis uh, and, and Steam Boy, which are both just, Great movies. just the Na plus ultra of anime. This guy, I cannot make a bad thing, basically. I had also read, when I read about the 168,000 individual cells that were created for Akira, he wrote and drew out something like 700 or 800 pages of storyboard. Wow. Can you, can you imagine, can, can you imagine being on the production team of a movie and getting 700 or 800 pages of storyboards? That sounds about right. Yeah. You have to map out all of the action. And put dialogue to that action, so that there isn't a, a com- like there isn't any kind of confusion. And the storyboards, in a lot of cases, is what they use for the animatics. Like in American filmmaking, you do all the voice work, then you you put it all together on a voice track, and then you map out the voices and all the words and and all the the consonants, and then you stick that to the animation so that you know exactly where what yeah. words is said and you know what movement you need to do and what the mouth is doing all that stuff. It's a ton of work, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fucking work. I can't imagine. I can't. Yeah. This, the Akira influenced Akira is like the Beatles of yeah. anime. Akira has influenced Every anime and many, many, many other works outside of anime. Yeah, they're they're since it came animation, out. comics, film, music, television, yeah. even video games. And that Akira okay. slide. There are a couple of YouTube videos out there where there's like it's a compilation of all of the homages mm-hmm. to the Akira slide. And so the Akira slide, uh, Kaneda, who is the kind of the hero of the movie. Even though realistically Tetsuo is the main character. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know that there's so much a, a protagonist in this movie. It doesn't follow a standard hero's journey per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Kaneda is the closest thing really to a protagonist. He's the, the uh, good guy, I guess, even though he's not really a good guy, he's kind of a dick. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, he, he, I, I would still say uh, Tetsuo is is the the protagonist technically because he experiences change, although a negative change. Yeah, he realizes a change, although. Uh, yeah, he's a, the, yes, he's the protagonist in the sense that the movie's about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's tough to say if there's a hero in this story, and and there there really isn't. Yeah, no. and. No. Uh, Anyway, so Kaneda is is the closest thing to the let's say the good guy, um, and there's a scene in the, he the, the, he rides this hopped up motor scooter. I guess it's a motorcycle. That's but, but it looks like a scooter. Anyway, he he rides this hopped up motorcycle, and there's a scene where he does this really dramatic slide down the highway. Uh, and, and comes to a stop and he's like got a he's got some kind of like weapon that he's just like picking up off the ground you know it's a pipe yeah, yeah he's got a pipe and you can go on youtube and there are all these kind of like like collections of every time that's been homaged in other works of anime and other movies and it's shocking like everything has done an homage to this. Even, even the clone wars did an homage mm-hmm. You know, so did, um, Wolverine's origin. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, the, the that slide is so cool. Like I remember seeing it the, for the first time, and it was like he slid, and it's the lights that's coming off that's like you know like trailing behind the the, yeah. the headlights and all that stuff on the bike and all that smoke, all the detail in the smoke. It's just so fucking cool. And that's the kind of stuff that really set Akira apart at the time. What was those details, those, those artistic flourishes, the, the, the light streaks, the tail light streaks as mm-hmm. people are racing down the highway, the tire smoke, you know, it's those, those details that would have been really easy to leave, leave out, especially considering it's animation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah there's they made stylistic choices that i think wasn't uh uh, wasn't the trend back then you know and and uh it it was it was more about i can't i don't know how to describe their their choices in style because in american animation the choices of style was usually like they kind of stayed in the realm of the the character design and maybe even like some of the you know some of the background you know like but it was very it was very different than it was in akira because akira there was a lot of mechanical kind yep. of things the colors was very unique as well that they used uh it's just uh it, it really does stand apart especially for the time you know and yeah. the other, another thing for anime this is funny that that because i mean american animation they always lip sync but anime never does the lip sync. They do the voices after the animation. Right. A- animation in the Amer- in the United States, they do the the voices first, then they draw to the to the to the sound to, to the, the voice, soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. That's how we do. Uh, like I was saying before, that's how you do the animatics. The animatics, you take the storyboards and you put the storyboards uh, in order, and then you put the voice track to the storyboard so you can get an idea of what the timing is like for the movie. And if things work, if you want to switch things out, it's it's kind of like a way to it's a proof of concept. And uh, Japanese animation doesn't do that; they don't do the voices first, 
Yeah. They probably don't have animatics either. <coughs> voices post animation. And it's crazy because they're just like, oh, just make the mouth move for a few minutes. We'll fill it in with voices. Yeah. And even in the anime, even when the anime is in Japanese, sometimes the mouth is moving, but it doesn't make sense to what the voice is, is doing, yeah. you know? So, yeah. But Akira is different because Akira, they actually lip synced. Yep. And it's, uh, I believe, the first anime, at least future length anime, to ever do that. I believe you're right. Um, but it, it, that's one of the, I think, the defining changes that Akira wrought on anime in a broad sense is that because the focus was always on we're making tv we're 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 adapting manga into tv basically we're we're making short form easily digestible it was all about economy and it was about pumping a lot of stuff out very quickly and then Akira came along and it was, it was all about quality and richness and depth. And that was new. That was new to anime. Yeah. At the time. Well, I already mentioned how I found anime in general and this movie. Why don't you guys tell me how you guys came upon Akira for the first time? Well, Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, Primo, go ahead. Well, I got the, when you recommended it to me, Oh, yeah. He recommended it to me. And then that was my first introduction to cyberpunk. Oh, that's right. Because this would be considered cyberpunk. This is considered a cyberpunk, Japanese cyberpunk, to be exact. And to tell you the truth, in Japan, there's two types. Cyber, cyber, Japanese cyberpunk is considered a subgenre. A subgenre? A subgenre compared to cyberpunk. So apparently there's two different types in Japan. But I, I got it through. I, you recommended it to me. And at the same time, I was also watching the local channels that on every Monday, they would show a, um, an animation movie. I'm like 26 at the time. At night. So they would every Monday morning, every Monday night, I would run to see what, what was the movie, of the movie of the week. And Akira, you told me about Akira because I was telling you about Crying Freeman at the time. And, you know, I was like, you said, if you like that one, you're going to love this one. And then, I, like you said, I didn't go to a blockbuster. I went to the Ma Pa store that was behind the house. Oh, nice. There's a video store there. And they had it there. You know, their animation was a little, their Japanese animation wall was a little bit more than blockbuster. So, <laughs> so that's how I, that's how I got into it. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes those Ma and Pa joints will have... Yeah even better than some of the big, big box stores. So Dan, tell me how you found uh, Akira. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of a little bit of a, of an anime nerd at the time Mm -hmm. already. Not, not anywhere to the degree that like, I was not a fanboy of it. I just, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was silly, you know, because uh, like my exposure to Japanese animation was, was stuff like uh, what it like Starship Yamato and like mm. those Japanese cartoons like Voltron and stuff. Voltron, I loved yeah. Voltron as mm. a little kid. I thought it was the greatest thing. And so as a little kid, I would seek out other kind of Japanese shows that looked the same. And you'd come across stuff like Robotech and you'd co- or or Starship Yamato. It's, I think it was, star- it was either Starship Yamato or, or whatever it was. Mm. Um, 
and they were and and like wgn at the time at like four in the morning on saturday mornings had this block of japanese cartoons mm -hmm. that they, they would sure play and, and i don't remember specifically what any of them were but it was like voltron got really popular and so they were like well we're gonna play other japanese cartoons you know mm -hmm. and they were all like painfully cheap and painfully cheesy and and bat shit they didn't make any kind of sense and <laughs> um and i just got a kick out of that and so i probably saw akira probably around the time i was 12 or 13 oh wow um and uh and i i just it blew my mind because it was like this is so completely different than what I'm used to seeing in terms of mm -hmm. Japanese animation. This is very serious and, and it oozes quality. And so it got me hooked on it. You know, I know I saw it when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, what the fuck is this? Cause like when I saw it and you know, Tetsuo starts turning the big blob monster. Cause like, you know, at first I was in, I, you know, it's interesting. You, you don't, at least for a teenage boy, I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is really different, right? So I was captivated. But then when he, when Tetsuo started, you know, growing into a giant blob monster, I was horrified. I was completely horrified. And I had to pause it a couple of times because I'd never seen anything so fucking yeah. scary in my life. And yeah. when I rented that movie, I also rented The Giver. So I rented both those movies and in the first episode of the Giver, something similar happens where a dude turns into a monster and you see the metamorphosis of a human person turning into a monster. Again, I was horrified and I was like, what the fuck did I rent? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Like what the fuck <laughs> is this shit? And so then, um, after that, I had to, I had to look for more, you know, yeah. I was, Mm -hmm. I was uh, addicted at that point, mm -hmm. and uh, it's been it's <laughs> and, been that way ever since. But and th there are just things like there are Japanese sensibilities that come out in anime that they just feel so foreign. Yeah, because they are to us. They are, you know. Yeah, but that like stuff like um, well, they're even thematically not just, like the content wise. It is notable between both, well, across most anime, um, the amount of violence and blood and, and sort of graphic acts of violence that happen in anime. <laughs> and and the, it, 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 again, that was another thing that was just such a big surprise to me, especially as a kid when I saw Akira was, you can't do that in a cartoon yeah you know exactly. <laughs> um and it was it was just kind of like mind opening like there are possibilities with animation that that people are not embracing you know yeah mm -hmm. you know what's funny is uh um when my wife and i used to watch family guy and every time something stupid came out of peter's mouth i was like can they say that on public television? <laughs> did, did, what is that? And like my wife was always like, 
how are they doing that how come they didn't get censored for that because they do and say a lot of stupid shit on that yes, show yeah, and it's amazing that they get away with the shit that they do you yeah. know but i think one of the things that at least family guy does to get past the censors uh what's the name of that guy seth uh Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane says that what he does is he'll write something really bad and then put in the thing they actually want. Yeah. And see if if they can get past the censors. And like, then, here, this is slightly less bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fuck, fuck it. Fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. But like sometimes they'll they'll put something in that was intentionally really really bad and the sensor lets it slide and they're like fuck we didn't want this but i guess we're putting it in now <laughs> you know um so uh, you know just in terms of like the difference you know and we're just talking about comedy there right uh mm. all the violence that they put in those cartoons or the that animation it, that none of that would fly with american uh, censorship it would just not get past probably right yeah there was an animation movie that was that caught my attention when after i watched akira i started getting more and more into it you remember fist of the north star mm-hmm. oh yes okay. fist of the north now, star that one, that one there was just a blood fest <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah i mean every yeah. time you punch somebody he'd blow up I don't know if Fist of the Star actually has a story. I think it's just him going around punching, kicking the shit out of him. But I feel like that's that's anime in general. Like even high quality anime like Akira, there look, there's a story there. Does it make sense? No, it it doesn't. Well, well, there there is an anime. There is a series of Fist of the North Star, and then there's the movie yeah the movie came out first then the series because it's like like all movies like all movies like that series like that it all started off first with a magma a magma and then it went to to a movie and then it went to a tv series yeah that's how fist of the north star was i don't know if the movie came first or the show uh came first with fist of the north star i think for the show came first with the fist of the north star then they edited it down to a movie I don't know because I, I think well, I think there have been a couple of different versions that have gone on, and that okay. that happens a ton with anime yeah. because there's 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 sort of a traditional progression of something comes out as a series. Well, it it, it comes out as a manga, gets very popular as a manga. It gets made into a series. The series is super popular. Then they make it into a feature. And along the way, a lot of what happens is the feature is just a cut together of the series. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what the movie is. Yeah. And and then if that that version does well, then they make a standalone (laughs) feature. Yeah. And it gets really bat shittery at that i say that a lot that's kind of like my word yeah but it it gets it it really gets crazy at that point because usually by the time it comes down to making a standalone feature they're they're like all right scrap all that shit we're gonna write something completely new and then the feature like it has all the same characters but the story has changed and the canon has changed and nothing is the same and it's like what the fuck am i even watching at this point there's a lot of the Dragon Ball movies. The original Dragon Ball yes. Z movies are like are like that. But um, mm-hmm. uh, the the trend now seems to be they have a series 
they have the they have a season and then they have a standalone movie that's not really a standalone movie it's yeah. part it of bridges the, the gap between the two seasons like exactly. with demon slayer that's what they did with demon slayer that's what they did demon with demon slayer. slayer that's what they're doing with uh with my hero academia it's what they're doing right. with um uh jujitsu kaisen in fact i think jujitsu oh. kaisen is have has a movie that's a prequel to the series but anyway I, i'm not sure oh, that, the demon slayer actually brings up another important first for akira so demon slayer the aside from just being a standalone really good anime mm-hmm. the claim to fame with demon slayer and actually also with my hero academia is the kind of merging of traditional animation with computer animation yes so you you have a in stylistically there's a merger of the two significant portions of the shows are hand drawn and then you have scenes and sequences or parts uh characters or certain things that happen that are done digitally in in sort of a 3d kind of state yeah akira was the first anime to do that what scene did they do that in there's not much but there are there's very minor computer animation in akira but uh in the doctor's lab Mm. where he has that device that sort of visualizes the patterns of of the espers well that visualized pattern was computer generated Mm. and Mm. so they they this was the first movie our first anime to take computer generated graphic and interpose it with, with traditional animation. And there are other scenes in the movie, uh, some atmospheric scenes, like, like there are a couple of scenes where they're, they're going down the steps into that sort of underground bar that they hang out in. Mm -hmm. Those were done on that's computer animation. The satellite was one of them as well. The when satellite beams, yeah, the right. satellite beams were computer. You could, see, you could tell them animation for when the clouds start parting. Yep, and the laser comes down. That was that was computer animated there. Yep. So and so that so yet another first, yet another Akira paved the way for the way that anime is done now, and it was done in 1988. Yeah, yeah. crazy, crazy. When, and when like computer processing power was pretty limited was very limited it was yeah. very limited it's amazing in a lot of ways that as much of the movie even though it's very small very very small portions of the content of akira are computer generated but the internet <laughs> i mean pre anything you know like yeah. 1988 was like yeah. like apple 2e and commodore 64 you know yeah. Well, no, those were early '80s, but still, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, no, we were still driving around like some, in some cars. Some mm-hmm. poor bastard was sitting in a studio with a Mac LC with that little eight-inch screen, animating this pattern display. You know, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that must have been a giant <laughs> pain in the ass, like a gigantic yeah. pain in the ass. Yep. Oh, Jesus. So uh, let's. The results. Yeah, I know. It's a fantastic movie. I was watching it to like I well I watched it today and mm-hmm. uh holy cow. I was like, I'm gonna watch this again after the after now, the, the yeah. podcast. I have a question. I have a question for these guys. There's been I was reading, I don't remember this movie the way it sounds. 
have there have, did they dub it again? They dubbed it again. They did. They there, did. There have been a couple of I, different dubs. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I could have sworn that that kid had a raspy voice. They've done yeah. it over again to correct some of the dialogue. Yeah. Hmm. And there are some versions of it out that are out there that I've seen where it's some of it's got new dubs, some of it's got old dub voices change mm. here and there, you know, <laughs> just, that's just what happens with anime though. When it, when it yeah. lives long enough. Yeah. Dude, I'm still happy. I still have, I'm happy. I still have my video cassettes. <laughs> well, uh, Ninja scroll, you can't find a dub version of Ninja scroll right now. Uh, there, all I've been able to find are, uh, subtitled versions but that's fine you know like i'll still watch ninja scroll subtitled i mean that's that's not something i'm gonna watch with the kids anyway but uh, yeah but in terms of like i think like i tend to really prefer subtitles i'm the same i mean like on the on the one hand it sucks because you do end up missing a good portion of the film you know what's going on on screen versus okay i gotta read the subtitles and look back you know you miss you end up missing some of what's going on but the dub is usually so bad as to be distracting yeah the Mm. the version i saw was on hulu and it didn't seem too bad yeah um but of no of uh whatchamacallit of uh akira yeah well i got it i watched it on tubi today yeah they also have it on tubi I saw yeah, that too. I was, I was like, "Oh shit, check that out!" And, H- and HBO has it too. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so, you have, yeah. so if you're listening, you got a lot of options. You, no excuse to <laughs> not go and watch this if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about story a little bit because I'm, I'm still kind of molding it over. I'm not 100 percent sure what this movie's about. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to say there's a theme about power, right? It's all about power and getting power, and and uh, I mean even Tetsuo, uh, whose name and this is funny, Akira means like brilliant, light, um, that kind yeah. of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, Tetsuo means Iron Man, which yeah. is supposed to be foreshadowing him becoming partly mechanized. Yeah, becoming powerful and becoming partly mechanized and truly being corrupted by the power. Mm -hmm. So, Um, but yeah, I I mean, I guess the themes are all about power in this. Like uh, there's the military people that want the power. Yeah, but they want to control the power. There's the one guy who wants. Well, the like, cor- well, it's it's also the corporate interests. There's a big message about right. corporate interests, and the the corporate interests try to seize power from the military, mm-hmm. and then the the military basically stands up and says, "No, we're not going to let that happen." The military are arguably the good guys in this movie, kind of, yeah, um, or at least the colonel. You yeah, know? the person that represents the military and the person that represents the corporate interests, they end up dying. Yeah. You know, they end up yeah. like killing each other almost kind of kind because, of sort of. I mean, he well, wait, does, does the colonel die? The, no, I think he does. No, nope, I don't gets think saved he by the girl. Yeah, huh? he gets saved by the girl. Oh, he gets saved by the no. girl. are you sure? Because I could have sworn yeah, he the, he got the shot. The doctor died. Oh, am I thinking the, of the, the doctor died? Am the I thinking of the? No, am I am I thinking about the protest guy? Because there was a protest the, guy that you're was thinking the, about the protest. Oh, the, guy. No, 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 you're no, thinking no. about the spy. You're thinking yeah, about the spy. Right. 
Right. He got shot by the corporate interest guy. Yeah, those when, two. When, that's... They, when they when the when the military came to the to arrest them, mm-hmm. he was already having a heart attack. Yeah. And the guy came back and go, oh, no, we failed. He's like, you weren't supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. And then he shot him. And he shot him. Yeah. So that's that's one guy. But doesn't but kill him. Yeah. At least not instantly. Yeah. You know? No. But he, and that's interesting because they were working together. Yeah. Right. You know, but I, 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 that thematically, I mean, there's so there, there are problems with the storytelling, just like there are always problems The it's, just, it's kind of a standard thing with anime that the writer, the creator has a lot to say and uh-huh. doesn't know, doesn't have boundaries around, okay, you have to, you have to have a primary message. Otherwise there's so much going on that it's kind of like hard to pick out like, well, what's the point at, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, and, and there, there's some of that going on with, with uh, Akira. There's not a lot of priority in the thematic elements, you know? Is that what you think it is? Uh, I used to think that maybe there was something just lost in translation, something that I it's don't possible. Understand. I don't understand about the culture. You know, maybe there's something because I am not Japanese or something that I'm missing. And I'm how sure there's but, some of that going on there because but but it's so dense in terms of, well, I mean, think about what think about what's going on. So you've got. You've got. Kids who have superpowers yeah and they're dangerous because they get these powers and they don't know how to control them well so then you have the government the little kids do but but they but it took them years to learn how years of living inside a laboratory to figure out how to control those powers Mm -hmm. and then you have the government represented mainly by the military in this movie who is there to to protect the world from these superpower kids Mm -hmm. because the last the last one that they didn't protect the world from destroyed tokyo yeah and And so you've got the government who's there they're there they've stepped in and assumed this role of protecting the population from these kids but the way that they do it is keeping the kids very controlled and isolated, but also spending the time to try to treat them humanely and teach them how to, how to handle their powers. Then you have the corporate interests who are just thoroughly corrupt in every way. Yeah. And then you've got the biker gang and the power dynamics in, in and around the biker gang between Kaneda and Tetsuo and Kaneda is the leader. And he's kind of a, prick and kind of very overbearing and then tetsuo who's kind of always the underdog and you know so there's a dynamic there between them but like so there's there's all of this stuff going on Mm -hmm. tell me what the primary message of the movie is well i have a question before we go any further now the question is is the kid the akira is he the reason of the explosion in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah. See the reason why. Okay. So, cause it, they stated that it was world war three. No, they, they were, they were. So world war three is a cover up. 
no 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 world war three is a separate thing and actually like i don't i've never understood like what are you just saying like this is kind of a post-apocalyptic vision like this is what the world looks like after world war three you know yeah. But but the two things are separate, like world, like it starts out with, OK, so World War Three happened. And then there was this thing that happened in 1988 where Akira. Well, it doesn't tell you that you find that out later, but like where mm-hmm. Tokyo was swallowed up in a in a giant black hole explosion. Mm-hmm. Akira was the cause of that. But the, but the two things are separate, like World War Three and then Tokyo exploding, two separate things. So uh, going back to your question about what is it all about, because you said there's the the corporate dynamic, the the government dynamic. And now that you mentioned, it makes sense that what you said, because now I remember the captain. I don't remember the the general or whatever he was. He survived. Right. I remember seeing him in the end. Yeah. So like the colonel, the colonel or whatever he but he at one point said, uh, I don't care how it's done. I don't care how it works. I just care about protecting everyone yeah he's, he's that's that's like one of his key lines my job isn't my job isn't to think my job is to act or to not act yes that's right. what he that's exactly the line perfect and so uh and that's all he does yeah. he, he's he's one of the characters that doesn't really experience any kind of change he's not a protagonist and at he, all but uh, and, but but he he really is kind of I, I mean, my interpretation of it He's the purest example of a good guy in the movie, mm-hmm. even though he does he he does some things throughout the movie that are like, Jesus Christ, that's yeah. not cool. But it like it he's the his port my interpretation of his character, my guess at what they're trying to say with that character is you need people who are duty bound, who don't ask questions who don't who don't focus on why or or how they just focus on i know what needs to be done and i'm going to go do it yeah or i know what needs to not happen and so i'm going to stop it yeah and that's all that Mm -hmm. character does and he ends up really being by the end of the movie it's very clear Again, I don't know that there are any heroes in this movie, but he's a good guy, but he's he's a good guy. And by the end of the movie, it's very, very clear that that's the intention is is regardless of what what this guy actually does and the consequences of of those actions are. He is he is virtuous. Yes. And, And, And yeah. Yeah. I agree 100% as a warrior, as a soldier, even like maybe that's part of guides him in terms of like his actions. But like, that's a good point that you bring that up because all the other players are kind of not the best characters, right? Yeah. Like the K character, the female kind of uses Kaneda a little bit. Oh, I even, there. I completely forgot. There's also the whole sub subplot of the resistance Yes. And mm-hmm. again, like by the time you get to the end, there's so much going on and so many different characters that it's really, really hard to parse out it. it, it what the fuck did I just watch? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think it's still about power. It's all about power. All these people are all fighting. All these people are fighting over power. 
And all the people who get the power or who have exposure to the power are misusing it. Yep. And even mm -hmm. the kids are like, you're using it wrong. That's not how you're supposed to use this yeah. power. Yeah. And they're like, probably they're like the wisest little guys because it's interesting. I, I want to kind of parse that out. I don't understand it exactly, which is one of the reasons I want to watch the movie again. Now that I'm older, I, I can probably digest it a little better than when I was like 15 or whenever, where I, when I watched it. But, um, but the, the fact that they're little kids, there's an innocence there, right? But also the fact that they are these powerful beings, but at the same time, they have a knowledge of how the power should they, be used. They have some wisdom. Yes. They have some wisdom. And so they, they try to show that in both their form. In, in their form. So you have wisdom and a naivete to them. Right? Yeah. Right. So, um, that there's, that, I guess there's that's an something innocence. else, something that I, I had a hard time with because they don't really explain this at all. Mm. So these kids have power. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they, but they've been being kind of kept and treated by the government, mm -hmm. but they're not really kids anymore. No. Because no. they've been around for 30 years at this point. They're, right. What they're, it is because is they, been... they were all part of the same group of kids that Akira came from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they, they, they have somehow, some way been like artificially preserved in their children's bodies. It's the but they're not they're kids. Thinking. They're not kids anymore. No. They've been, no. they've been alive too long. Yeah what it is is that they've been drugged yeah the yeah drug has been given to them to suppress their powers that's why they look the way they look right and so it suppresses their growth and suppresses their aging exactly mm -hmm. so that's why they look like the way they act that's why they look the way they look i didn't really understand it until they, the guy was explaining about taking um the pseudo back to the lab so to that give him some pills yeah, the pills to suppress his power. No, they weren't going to suppress his powers. They're going to grow his powers with the pills. They, they, yeah, they I mean, like, yeah, they were they were going to suppress his powers to, to help him, him teach to control them. But like the whole point of it was to help the powers grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Initially, while he's learning to use them. Initially, they wanted to grow his powers. They saw that he got affected right. by 27 or whatever his name and was. And I think that's ultimately, that's why, that's why the, the corporate folks tried to take over the power from the government. And then the, the colonel was like, yeah, no, we're, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know what's crazy? Did you ever stop to think that these kids were kidnapped? Like, oh, yeah. like, like Tetsuo was kidnapped. They just yes. took him. Yeah, he was. Huh? But the other, th the other three were were abandoned or were taken by the well, not really taken by the government. They were um, given to the lab. To yeah, that's, they, that's they, although I mean that isn't exactly morally superior, yeah. right? But <laughs> you know. That's, yeah, yeah, that's not it. Yeah, ultimately, were, ultimately, the government lab is 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 disappearing. Kids, yes, that's mm -hmm, that is yeah. happening. Mm -hmm. That's so fucked up, man. And and yeah, and so. and like, uh, God forbid, 
is there shit like this happening? Not not that they're making kids superpowered beings, but like kids oh, dude, just being I'm not I'm, kidnapped. I'm I'm not going down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole tonight. Okay, let's I'm not do not, that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just I'm just it. saying like how far fetched is an idea like this where people are getting kidnapped? You know, I don't think uh, to be fair, it's not far fetched at all. I mean, you just no, there not. are public examples in the history of the United States of shit like this going on, not necessarily the government disappearing kids, although like I wouldn't be surprised if I were to find out that that that's been happening. But I mean, there's horrible, horrible things that the government has done, like the uh, what was it? The um, well, geez, I don't even know if I want again, I don't want to. Well, okay, well, let's not yeah, let's but, not jump but, down the rabbit hole of but like, theories, you, you know, but. the the government did hor- has done horrible, horrible things without telling people that they're doing them, like the Tuskegee study. You, you guys know what that is or no? What's the no. Tuskegee? It, it was basically that, you know, the United States, the the public health service conducted a study from 1932 to 1972 straight up injecting black men with syphilis Holy to fuck. study to study the effects of syphilis and how to treat it. There was more than one like, thing done like, like that to minorities. And that's just like years. one example, you know, yeah. like, so, so if you're asking if, if I think it's possible that there is some really creepy government shit going on. Yeah. I think it's possible, but I really don't even want to think about it. You know, we just thought we just thought about it, though. We just <laughs> we just went down there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, nah, man, um, that's so fuck, that's so fucked up. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, this sometimes makes you think, oh, shit, you know, like uh, this is not so far fetched, you know? Yeah, sure. The laser beams from outer space and some dude morphing into a giant you know, ball of flesh with metal and stuff. Yeah, that's that's not real. But you know, some of the other stuff, some of the other things, some of the other themes in this in this movie. You know, the power struggle, the people fighting, people who don't who don't deserve power, are trying to yeah. get it, trying to misuse it. You know, and even the people who are caught in the middle of it. I guess is one of the the other themes that says that even the people who are caught in the middle of it, the innocent people, and who are not so innocent. And- and yeah. there's stuff in that movie that, again, it, it all depends on when you watch this movie. Watching it last night, there's stuff that really kind of hit home and I thought was very prescient about how uh, the public finds out about Tetsuo because he's wandering around Neo, Neo Tokyo wreaking havoc. Yeah. And they start thinking he's the second coming of Akira. And yeah. then all of a sudden you have right. this cult of Akira worshipers coming out. And it, that, that it speaks to that. All of these people who are stuck in the middle and, and I, it, I feel like it's really very, there are things that, that mirror current events. I was and, just about and to it's say. probably just because I'm living through these current events but like how easy, how easy those people all of a sudden just came out of the woodwork to be, to be Akira worshipers, you know, yeah. and you look mm-hmm. around now and, and 
and you got people coming out of the woodwork basically to be Elon Musk worshipers, people coming out of the woodwork to be Donald Trump worshipers, you know, mm. like if, if you leave the opportunity for, for people to stop thinking and do and let other people do the thinking for them, they will be stupid. It's, it's amazing. Cause it's, it's a movie made in 1988. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that I see in this movie, I can't help it. It reminds me of, <laughs> of, of our current time. I mean, yeah. you, you're like, you're saying you have, you know, followers, you have worshipers, you have uh, terrorists, yeah. You have uh, government interests, corporate interests. You got all these things going on, yeah. and and it's a movie made twenty years ago. Yeah, oh, well, more almost than twenty. That. No, well, nineteen eighty-eight. That's thirty years ago. No, no, not thirty. Sorry, uh, dude. We're not mathematicians. We got to stop trying to do math on this show. <laughs> it was. It's under twenty. No, dude. It's oh, it's over thirty. <laughs> 1988 <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you will yeah, get in but, trouble. <laughs> but yeah, like, at, I, um, and maybe that's another one of the, the the pile of messages that come out of this movie is when you have chaos, when 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 there is when when you have a world that's devolving into chaos, you will have people who try to find meaning where no meaning is because they're surrounded by chaos. And so they'll, they'll, they'll latch on whether, Oh, we're going to, you know, this is the second coming of Akira and he's going to save us all, you know, which doesn't make sense considering Akira destroyed old Tokyo, but whatever. Uh, but like, this is the second, well, they're living in a very, you know, a post-apocalyptic, excuse me, a post-apocalyptic future nightmare. And now there's something coming along that in some way somehow makes sense to them. Now there's power that they can follow and they're going to follow it because they're desperate for it. Yeah. You well, know? they're desperate and for power it, and they're looking for, for someone to give, to, to be in the good graces. Yeah. They're of that power. So right. like, so they they're can looking have for somebody to give them answers. They're looking for yeah. somebody to solve their problems mm -hmm. because their lives feel insurmountable and you look and, and it absolutely is appropriate because look at us, we are living in a time of chaos Yeah, and you have people coming along and saying, I know the solutions. Yeah. And yeah. Give me your vote. Give me your money. Give me whatever. And right. I'll give you give a power. Me, give me Twitter. Give me, give yeah. me everything, you know, and, and I'll, and I'll help it. I'll help you answer all your problems. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that these characters, the, uh, Kaneda and, uh, Tetsuo, they are orphans. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as you saw in the beginning of the movie, powerless, even to a certain extent to even be able to like stand up against other bullies in their group, 
you know, like right. even at their own level, never mind all the other crap, they were already like getting the asses handed to them by rival gangs, yep. by people in their school. Cause they're, I guess they're high school kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they have no power. Everybody has power uh, over them. And then even between Tetsuo and Kaneda, Kaneda. Yeah. they were fighting over who was the top dog in the low yeah. shit and, that and they were like, in. Like Kaneda has, has carved the niche out for himself. Like he's, he's the big fish in the little pond. all of these other outcasts basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that causes, that causes the conflict between him and Tetsuo. And now yeah. all of a sudden Tetsuo is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has. And it's funny because as powerful as Tetsuo gets, he still wants to have one over Kaneda. That's all he yeah. wants in the end. That's he what just, he wants. He wants to be the boss. He wants yep. to be the boss of the, of the gang. He would, he all this resentment that he had for Canada, yeah, led to him to being the boss, wanting to be the boss, and wanting his bike. Like I never got the yeah. thing with the bike. Like he wanted the mm-hmm. bike. Well, yeah. it's a fancy bike. It's a and fancy bike. It was, it was a high high performance bike. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was it, drive it. It was yours, but he couldn't even drive. He couldn't even drive it. Right. It, it like stopped because he didn't know what he was doing. Because he didn't yeah. know how to do it. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And that it, it, like subtle and nuanced, but like that's re- reinforcing that theme. Every chance the movie gets, it's it's reinforcing that theme that that Tetsuo, all he's ever wanted was what Kaneda has. Yeah. And they show that like, like even th- like through all those flashbacks of when they're little kids and they first meet and, and the other kids are picking on Tetsuo and, and, and Kaneda kind of steps in and, and I mean, he gets beaten up too, but he stops them from beating up on, uh, on Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. So like it, it, what Tetsuo wants is that confidence that Kaneda has mm-hmm. and Tetsuo has never had it. Yeah. And so he wants all of the things that he sees and he wants to be Canada is yeah. what he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's his downfall because you can never be another person, you know, mm-hmm. the struggle for that power to be the leader of the group. Let's say the bike is maybe a symbolism of the leader of the group. He wants to be the leader. He can't drive the bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He yeah. doesn't know how he doesn't have the knowledge or the skill and then that right. gets reiterated later again when the little kids come around and tell them you're not supposed to use that power like that. Yeah, exactly. You know? So he yeah. doesn't know w- how to use power. He doesn't know how to wield power. He doesn't have the skill or the knowledge or the wisdom right. to wield power. And he does so uh, really poorly and it backfires every single time. That's why the bike shut off on him. And that's why he yep. blows up into a giant ball of right. And yep you know, flesh, you know? Yeah. But and ultimately um, it's why he dies. You know, do, do, do they die or do they just disappear? That man? Oh boy. I don't understand that at the yeah, end where like the singularity his... comes down and it becomes this tiny little pebble that, that Canada puts between his hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell actually happened. I, uh, I don't know. Supposedly what they did is they went to a higher plane of existence. That's what I was thinking. I thought mm-hmm. that that was because so, that's what the scientist was saying before he got crushed. Well, what it is is that you, you hear the you hear the kids talking. And what it is is that they're saying, we'll be back at one point. It's just that right now we need to be here. 
so that you guys can catch up. So they went to the next level or something. So they went to the next next level of a, a higher plane of existence. Because when they were <laughs> trying to focus their abilities to um to like call Kira, mm-hmm. he shows up. And then that's when he says, okay, I went to a higher plane of existence. Now it's my turn to take all of you with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened was they got that glow. They got that glow. <laughs> they went to the net. They became the master. Yes. The master of their own destiny. Show enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Show enough is already there. Yeah. With Bruce Leroy. Yeah, um, kiss my converse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, man. Um, I still don't know if I understand this movie. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. What did you take from this movie? What meaning did this movie have on you guys? I mean, we just uh, we just talked about power and well, stuff. Yeah. But I mean, right. I, well, I don't personally. know. If, I mean, when I was a kid, this movie was about the awesome, you know, action and the mind blowing shock of some of the things that happens in this movie. There's just mm-hmm. so much coolness, you know. But now as a grown up watching it, it's it's a feast for the eyes in terms of yeah. the animation, you know. Like I really mm-hmm. enjoyed watching animation like this because I haven't seen animation. Everything's computer generated now, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To see yeah. traditional animation done this way, uh, it was so nice to see. Yeah, uh, but now also as a grown up, trying to kind of figure out what the theme is of this movie, it's. It's tough. I mean, obviously, it's a theme about power, but I mean, there's so many other things like Dan was talking about. There's so many other things going on. I'm not 100% sure what the other sub-themes may be, but yeah, like followers are for sure one thing, right? People looking for answers and, and the wrong people, right. the wrong people trying to attain power. It's, it's I don't know, man. It's... It's super dense. Dan is right. It is a super fucking dense movie, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I, I can't pick one big thing to take away from this movie other than Akira is like Edward. Ed, Edward? Like Edgar was saying. <laughs> it's a feast for the eyes. I think mm-hmm. that's really the most important thing of it for me is being able to watch 168,000 cells of art. And from the very beginning of this movie, I, I feel like the most striking visual in this movie is at the very beginning in the intro where it, they, it starts out, the camera is zoomed in on a street. Yeah. And there are cars moving but it's a still it's not animated Mm -hmm. there's cars on the street and then the camera kind of starts panning uh up and up and up and going through the streets of the city and then it starts to zoom to zoom out and you get the the broader view of all of neo tokyo and then the realization of this was hand drawn which means some person had to sit down and with that level of detail, draw this frame, draw, draw this frame and all of that detail in it as a, as a gigantic piece of art that the camera can pan around and zoom out and capture. 
and like it must have been an enormous it must have been like an enormous panoramic piece of art the way the camera moves around it oh man and that is absolutely stunning just from the perspective of somebody who appreciates animation and especially appreciates to some degree what goes into creating a hand animated traditional film and so that that very intro sequence where it's clearly it's one piece of drawn art and the and it and and it's got so much detail in it that the camera can zoom in on a portion of it pan along at that level of zoom for a considerable amount of 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 real estate and then zoom out and you can see how big this thing is that was stunning i love you man (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna cry i'm gonna i I, that's It made me emotional too watching that. And, and, you know, when the first time I saw this movie, I didn't get that. You know, it it didn't, it didn't have an impact on. Absolutely. That is, that movie is a piece of art. And uh, I, I don't think that anybody else could, could describe it as well as you did, man. That's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Everything you said. Yes. (laughs) You're awesome, man. (laughs) But, Oh, I mean, this is uh, this is why I'm glad we're friends, because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to pick up on that. They're not because they they don't know where they don't care or it's not important to them. You know, I had I had to stop and rewatch that sequence three or four times last night because I I legitimately didn't remember it. The last time I saw this movie was probably 20 years ago, you know. And uh, so I didn't remember it and I know I didn't appreciate it at the time. And I for sure know I didn't appreciate it the first time I ever saw the movie mm-hmm. and I kept rewinding and rewatching that. And I actually like, I, it was emo. I was having emotion at the realization of what I was looking at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, yeah. I remember like just when I was watching it just today, I was like, I'm going to have to watch this movie again. Yeah. Cause like I was watching it to like digest it for the podcast but then I'm like, oh no, I got to go back and watch, watch it, like for what you're talking about the the animation, the 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 artistry, you know the the art yeah. of it, you know, and just enjoy some of those frames. Yeah, um, yeah dude. You see, nobody. You see, you guys get me. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets me like you guys. You know, you primo. You guys get me, man. Lechuga probably too, <laughs> you know, because he understands like what I like about fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and they're like fuck, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. yeah. Did, did you guys notice they were trying to the the beginning scene, like you know the, the screenshot of the city and everything like that? They were talking that there was a symbolism in the beginning of that movie, and it was like there's a bunch of them out there. Then the, the entire movie is a big symbol. Okay, and one of them is the symbolism of America bombing Japan. Oh, sure. Mm. I, I mean, mean, that's this. This follows the same tradition as all of the every single kaiju movie. Yeah, it's all mm. about. It, it it all stems back from that trauma of the United States nuking two cities literally blowing two of the biggest cities in Japan off of the map instant mm-hmm. instantly. And that 
has had such an ongoing uh, permanent cultural influence on on mm-hmm. Japanese f- everything and uh, and and th- yeah clearly that th- that opening sequence where they're showing this explosion event that happened in in Tokyo I mean it is very clearly we're replaying that we're we're reliving that so see that's probably something we're missing as americans we're not getting because we don't have that that subconscious part of a of of it in our in our culture right so like when they see that they are probably like you're saying reliving it and it's having an impact so it's probably a horrifying image to start a movie with for japanese audiences never thought about it that way yeah i just thought it was crazy i just thought holy mm-hmm. crap a, a giant explosion but yeah like i'm sure as japanese even even though they didn't live through it they can probably be like oh yeah one time our country got blown up you oh know? i know in 1988 there were still plenty of of world war ii survivors who would exactly. remember that you mm-hmm. know who lived through it you know jesus Imagine going to that movie theater, having having lived through that, and then going to that movie and seeing that and being like, "Fuck this movie." <laughs> I would, I would almost guess that by then, they they may have been desensitized to it just because it's such a ubiquitous thematic element throughout mm-hmm. so much of Japanese cinema up yeah. while well, Japanese art, Japanese culture, Pop everything. Culture. Yeah, that it probably it it's probably. By that time, it probably gotten to the point of, okay, let's have the explosion sequence so that you know we can we can get get to the thematic story. You know, yeah, man, mm. huh? Whew, man, this uh, this got a lot deeper than I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So before we uh, we call it quits for tonight because it's getting late. What are your parting thoughts on uh, Akira? You got to see it. You got to see it. Even if anime is not your thing, uh, has such far reaching influence. I, I would even go, go to say there, there are elements of this movie, symbols that come out of this movie that are ever present, that, that are universal. I'm willing to bet. I, I would be willing to bet that nine out of 10 people, even today, even kids, even who, who were not even a glimmer in anybody's eye in 1988. If you were to show them just a still shot of the, the, the capsule logo that Kaneda wears on the back of his jacket, they would be like, Oh yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This, this film Akira has touched culture so deeply in ways that people who have never even seen it would be shocked to find out that oh that came from akira you know yeah. mm-hmm. you know you know it's funny the chronicle is this is akira if you've never yeah, seen it Ak- sure is yeah if you've never seen the chronicle the chronicle yes. is basically akira part two or akira redone you know it, mm-hmm. it's just it's basically almost the same movie it has similar like scenes 
where there's like cops and stuff and the military trying to stop. Yeah. The and there, there was there was another manga that Otomo was a big fan of, uh, but I can't remember what it was. It, it's one that I'm not particularly familiar with, but the, but there's there's there was another another one where like he's basically telling the same story. He's even given the characters the same names. Oh, are you serious? Um, mm. uh, but I can't, I can't remember. I, well, I was you- reading about it and I can't remember what it was, but it like, it, he was so heavily influenced by this other manga that like he mirrors a lot of the stylistic imagery. He mirrors a lot of the themes, he even gives the characters the same names. I'm thinking you're probably thinking about springing. No, no, it had a very it, it had a name that had a number in it. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't want to burn. Of, I don't want to burn time. So uh, while you're while you're looking that up, uh, Primo, why don't you give me uh, your parting thoughts? This movie is just a work of art. It's a even if you're not like I, like you said, if you're not a fan of anime or cartoons or you you appreciate the production value of this movie. I mean, it's just it's, every aspect of this movie is stunning. I personally love it. I I have my original one in somewhere in my box, you know. And I appreciate and I appreciate the fact what these guys did to make this movie so good. You know, it, there's. Like every, like I said, I watch it. I watched it a couple of times already. Today I watched it. Yesterday I watched maybe half of it, so I started it up again today and watched the full thing again, just so I can get an idea of what. Maybe try to figure out the meaning of this movie. <laughs> it was hard, you dude. Know? Like I'm like it's I was hard. sitting there. I was sitting there thinking like, what is this movie about? Right. And I look, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I looked up other people's ideas of what this movie means to them. And th- this, I was gonna say, you know what, this means something to me, but it doesn't. You know, my my personal opinion of this movie is, is that um, it's a it's a struggle for a for a country. And what I see it as is like this is the aftermath of like of, of a natural disaster. the The repercussions of what happens, the the fallout. How, how to rebuild from here, you know, who, who you can, how to survive something like that. You got your corrupted police, you have your, your military, you have, you have your company, big companies who are trying to like take advantage of whoever the situation is. It's, it's all in this movie. You know, the thing is, is that you have to really be, to enjoy this movie, even though you're just watching it for the effects, it's still a great movie. But if, you want a real experience, you need to watch it with an open mind. And that's for my sure. Take on it. For sure. Um, is it Tetsujin 28 Go? That's, that's it. What I was going to say. Tetsujin 28 Go. That's what you were that's saying, the right? One. That's what I was right. trying to find. Right. And I, but it's actually uh, listed on there as one of his favorite movies. Yeah, I went to the Wikipedia and it, and it was there, Tetsujin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wasn't isn't that one the is that a live action movie? Is that the one of a, mil- that was a uh, it, it was a manga. 
I, they they may have made a live action movie out of it, but it was a manga. So Kaneda in the Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go, it re- controls a giant robot. Oh, that's Gigantor. No, it's yeah. Tetsujin Twenty Eight. But Gigantor right. came came out of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what, it's a black and white cartoon. First it was a magnet, then it came here in the States and it was known as Gigantor. Yeah. And so the name of the main character was uh, Shotaro Kaneda. And it was directed by, no, hold on. It, it was directed by Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. So Tetsuo was the person who directed it. And he, so, dir- he directed uh, Tetsujin 28 Go FX. So how interesting mm-hmm. is it? As a as a commentary to come at the end of this retrospective, how interesting is it that this this film, this masterpiece that went on to influence so many things that so many other things have uh, paid tribute to and done homages to, to the point where you have things like the Akira slide. How fascinating is it? that the movie was done as an homage to prior movies and uh, prior manga, prior animation, prior series, the, the movie, all of, all of the care that went into this was to create homage to the influences that Otomo had coming mm-hmm. up as an animator. And he created this film that was an homage to all of that. That is, is in its own right, a masterpiece that has mm-hmm. been getting tribute, uh, tribute and homage ever since. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's so we, yeah. So we all, so we all owe it to, we all owe it to Gigantor. Everything, <laughs> everything for Gigantor. Gigantor 2024. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it pays to rip people off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Homage. It's, it pays homage. to, 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 to pay well, to pay tribute. Not to, not to be critical, but okay. Um, you got uh, Tetsuro Twenty Eight Go. Then you got another one, but uh, probably a couple years later, because I I think that that series came out in like 1960s because it was a black and white cartoon. What Tetsujin? Yeah, Tetsujin Twenty Eight. And then um, from there. You had um, Rocket Boy, which uh, introduced Astro Boy. But Tetsuro actually gave birth to Johnny Sako and his flying robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all connected. It's all, it's all connected. connected, man. It's all connected. Now, start a, start, start a uh, conspiracy theory with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, no, man. No more conspiracy theories. No more. Conspiracy. Yeah. Let's let's have good dreams tonight. I don't want to. I don't want to dream uh, scary thoughts. Oh please. Oh, dude. Please. No. The last thing I talk about is the thing I'm going to end up dreaming, and so like I better have a conversation with my kids so I don't end up thinking about uh, superpower beans and you know evil government plots and stuff. Talk, talk about pizza. There you go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd love to eat pizza right now. I so badly want some pizza. But anyway, man, guys, thanks so much, man. Um, fucking Primo, you're the best. Dan, <laughs> Dan, we got to keep doing this, man. Don't yeah. uh, you? You uh, you've been so busy with grown up stuff, man. 
I know, man. It's gonna it's gonna calm down one of these days. Okay, you you let me know, man. You know, you know, uh, I'll give you room, but I need you out here, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. All right, cool. All right, so this Wait. is Edgar. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, primo. No, I said he better not go anywhere. Shoot, no, no, no. We need you, brother. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I need you. All right, so this is Ego otra vez, calling it a night. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, cousin Primo, and and not my cousin Dan. Not a problem. Dobrano, chio. The music you're listening to is titled "We Had Ramen," and it's by Smartface. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. And should you decide to go over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description. So that they know that I sent you. So yeah, man, watching it now that I'm a little older, I feel like I can digest it a little better. And I had actual thoughts on the movie. Like I said during the podcast, I'm going to have to see it again, over and over again, because there's so much to it. Now, if you haven't seen Akira, I highly recommend you go watch this because it is a classic. And if you call yourself a fan of the genre, you need to watch it. Now, if you like what you heard and you want some more, make sure you head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can support the podcast. Also, make sure you follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram under the name The Flow Roll. Or you can follow me, Edgar Otraves, under the name Edgar Otraves, also on Instagram. And as for my co-hosts, make sure you follow Cousin Primo under the name The underscore real underscore Cousin Primo on Instagram. And don't forget to follow the very hilarious Not My Cousin Dan under the name Dantastic Sizzler, also on Instagram. And if you like the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening. This is Ego Otra Vez. We'll catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters.